Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Gudelai. I'm a transformational coach, breathwork teacher, and committed to a world that allows people of all walks of life to thrive. I'm your host and creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Ramayan Ananda. Ramayan is a mysticpreneur, the founder of Veeam, the virtual experience and media engine, developing technologies that power the future of collective media and the experience economy. He's also a co-facilitator and founder of Unify for global peace synchronized meditation since 2012. He's on the board of Social Venture Circle. He's a musician, a poet, an author, a yogi. And so with these words, welcome, Ramayan. Ah, thank you so much. An honor to be here. I'm excited for our conversation. I know you've been you've been all over the internet in the last months hosting mm-hmm. uh, you know daily practice with people, stewarding meditations, global global unity meditations, and working on like a like a new earth manifesto. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- where to begin? Like what's most alive for you in this moment to to share with us? We're at a very pivotal time on our planet. This coronavirus, whatever you believe about it or not, um, the facts are is that it's caused a great pause. And if you look at the great cycles of yin and yang, or the out-breath and the in-breath, the natural flow of the tides moving out and in, everything in nature moves through these cycles. And our last you know, 100 years, really, has been defined by a strong yang push. It is the uh, wheel of capitalism, the trains of capitalism that have been pushing at a thousand miles a minute and a hundred million trains moving forward. And all of us have been trying to augment and stop that train from burning our planet, literally. And in one fell sweep, in a matter of a few months, we see the power of the collective for something we can't even see with our eye to grind all global travel to a halt to grind global transportation to a halt, to grind global sports, which is a representation of that yang energy to a halt. And everybody has to go to their rooms for a while and sit and reflect and be with themselves and look at themselves in the mirror, be with their partners and their children and ask deeper questions. Mm -hmm. And this has been a great yin time where the things that we're focusing on are much more internal and introspective. And I believe that when the, the yang outflow occurs again, it's going to occur differently because of this inevitably. Is that, you know, people are really looking at who supports our society at this time. And we're asking deeper questions of what does it mean to take care of each other? What does it mean to live in a society that's healthier? And we're seeing the nature of our institutions that we've built and seeing that they're broken and somewhat sociopathic. And that the value systems that gave rise to our current political, economic, and social system are outdated and they need to be refreshed. And so I see this as a great time for for a global unity of people around things that are common to us all that we can collectively agree upon to become the basis for a new civilization experiment. Um, And it's an exciting time, but we must harness this time well and there's a lot of message of divisiveness, of fear, 
uh, a lot of that fear wants us to target that energy towards and against people and perpetuate the veil of separation. And it's at this time where the unifiers of the world need to come and we need to link arm in arm for those things that we're working together for rather than against. Yeah, beautifully put. It's like, what are we standing for and how can we give our energy to really co-create and facilitate that kind of a world? And, you know, I, I like I like this this yin-yang metaphor because it's truly like no matter who you are, no matter what walk of life you come from, the last three months, you know, I saw I saw a meme on the internet that made me laugh a lot, which is, so no one had the right answer to um, what, what, who are you going to be and where are you going to be in five years from now in the year 2015? Because <laughs> none of us could have known this, right? None of us could have prepared for this, but it, mm-hmm. it really sets us up for a unique chance. And what I'm seeing in the world right now is that everything that is not aligned with, aligned with this unified uh, path forward that, that you're pointing at, it is even more shocking, even more divisive, even more appalling than before, because it's just so clear um, that, that that's not the way anymore, that these values are not the values that we should base human life or planetary life on, that exactly. we're not production factors. And so maybe guide us a little bit into, into this process that, you know, um, I've, I've been part of little bits of it as well, but you, you guys take care of it quite, quite, all, quite a, a way longer into like creating a manifesto for these values that are the way I understood it, like wanting to be a, a unifying principle that no matter who you are, no matter which ethnicity you have, no matter which background you have, no matter which language you speak, we resonate with as life affirming humans. Exactly. And so um, what we've come to understand is that the next manifesto can't be just written by an individual. It needs to be a living manifesto, right? But at the, at the spinal column of the manifesto is a set of understandings about yourself in relationship to life. And that just needs to be simple. It needs to be something that a child or a grandmother can utter and memorize. You know, a few core statements that show the value shift. Out of that, we see the values that we are adhering to that are global and that unify us all. And those values are um, then broken out into principles and those principles that relate to those values. And you see around the world and you travel around the world, you see things that are very common to us all. You see that we all want opportunity to be able to um, make a living in a way that's aligned. We see we all want to be provided for in things that are basic, like having a home, having food, having water, things that are, that are so basic and common to us all. We want to reorganize society to allow for those things to be ubiquitous. That's a common foundation. How can we say we're an evolved species if a billion of us don't have access to fresh water? It's madness, right? Absolutely. It's just madness. And so what are the things that are so foundational that we can agree upon? But, But to agree upon those things, we need to agree upon core statements. For example, you know, we see that light, sun powers all light, all life on this planet from the plankton, which become food for all of the creatures in the ocean, which then become food for mammals, the light powering all plant life on this planet, which then become food for all the animals and for us. So empirically, we're all connected to the light. It's empirical, it's, it's, it's a fact. And so we hold those things and we hold the fire and the energy is sacred. 
we see that the air, we breathe in and we breathe out, literally in a cycle with nature. And as we breathe in and out, we're interconnected with all life and thus the air is sacred. We see that we all eat food from the same soil, from the same earth that cycles through our bodies and cycles back into the earth in this great grand orchestration of life. Thus, we're all interconnected through the earth. Thus, the earth is sacred. These things are empirical. If you just stop for a moment and look at them, you'll see that, oh, yes, the air I breathed was the air that was just in your lungs three seconds ago. Oh, yeah, we are literally sharing the breath. Oh, the water in my body that I took from the tap was literally in the bodies of thousands of other creatures, probably in the last few months. Oh, we are the same water. Nobody, no matter what your religious background or scientific or ethnicity, you can't deny these things. To deny them is madness. It just shows an inherent disconnection. And so we want to start with those things that are undeniable, that are empirical truths to provide the foundation of those things that are sacred. And based upon those, when we have the oath to committing that those things are sacred, that though we're diverse in cultures and worldviews and practices and beliefs, that we all share these things that are common. And can we take an oath to protect those things? Then out of that, we can extrapolate into principles and values. And then out of that, a living manifesto can arise saying, if we hold these things as true, if we acknowledge that we are all interconnected as part of one species, as part of one great form of life, what are the, and how do we choose to live? So if you're looking at a bifurcation point between the old and the new paradigm, the old paradigm from the Adam Smith, you know, economic paradigm says that we are separate. We're separate from each other. We're separate from the earth. Thus, we can exploit nature and we can exploit each other's labor. Okay. And, and it's the cult of individualism and this idea of the American dream. And now the new paradigm is we are all interconnected. We're all part of a unified shared field. These are the things that make us interconnected. And that enlightened self-interest says the self and the whole are one. So by serving the interest of the whole, you're, you are serving the interest of the self. Right. Yeah. It's very interesting to, to have you uh, elaborate so eloquently on this because, you know, it's, it's such an interesting time to look at this as well. Like there is a, another empiric fact that I might've mentioned that a few times on the podcast before, but 50% of the world's population is 27 and younger. This is largely a population in Africa wow. and Asia, but this is a world economic forum stat. Yeah. And so if Incredible. you think of it, right, 27 and younger, that means, it's a normality to understand that we have satellites in space. It's a normality that we have the internet. It's, it's a normality that we're interconnected. So this oneness, even on a technological level, even on an economic level is visible to it is. the younger half of the planet. You know, the older half of the planet maybe comes from these old values, but this separation, this form of driving an economy based on growth and profit only, I think we've, um, it takes, I think it takes not even that much anymore at this point to understand that we've driven it against the wall, right? And yes. um, these last three months of nature kind of breathing again and, you know, carbon emissions and footprint going down right away is, is such a big exclamation mark how real it is. Now, what's interesting to me is that the path forward, you know, we don't really know. There is a lot of uncertainty we have to embrace. And so these, these, um, these forms of manifestos or an oath like this, to me, it seems like a, it's like a really strong pillar um, that maybe, you know, if we were to oppose it to, let's say the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which I'm glad they exist, but they're more like a fast band-aid. They're more like a, we should all do this and these are the things we need to do, but, but there's very little cohesion around that. 
mm-hmm. what's your what's your point of view on that in terms of like how we've currently tried to fix things but how these kind of more um deeper layered value driven um alignments are, are going to create a society forward yeah it's a good question i feel like the un sdgs are a great rubric to where we should be going of course we should be going in a place where everybody has fresh water where we have gender equality where we've eradicated poverty you know uh where we look at the goals of the life on land the life on sea and we have goals that we meet and i do think that the un sdgs are pointing us towards what it could look like if these values were enacted but what it doesn't look like what it doesn't look at is the fact that all of those things that we see are symptomatic of these deeper conditions they're symptomatic of a broken economy and externalities they're symptomatic of a paradigm and world views that we enact they're symptomatic of these these things that we've created that continue throughout time and so by saying that we're going to solve poverty by throwing money at it it can it can't work right i mean i heard a quote once that said oh with 45 billion dollars we could eradicate global poverty the us just printed 3 trillion dollars in the last 3 yeah. months 6 trillion has it eradicated anything no it hasn't right and so we need to look much deeper then thinking a dollar value can eradicate poverty it just doesn't work like that right and so i think aligning i think the un sdgs were a really great initiative and i think beautiful minds and hearts came together to create it and yet to move the needle towards that shift it's going to require us to shift things on a more fundamental basis um that's what i believe yeah and i'm right there with you you know that's that's why Uh, one of the many reasons i started green planet blue planet is to like sense make of of some of these change makers in the world that have not just that mindset but have that coherent place of consistent practice between heart and mind to understand what it actually takes to fundamentally change our behavior and now let's drop in a little deeper there because you know for me the simplicity of putting what you just shared here is people planet profit right our economy wants to evolve into a way that we create a form of metric or a form of connection to well-being of people and well-being of the planet that are um hopefully in my eyes replacing gdp as a like a an indicator of what a healthy economy is right because economy really is there's eco in it there's 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 the ecos in it there's the all of us in it hmm. um do you think that's too simplistic or do you think it's it's maybe also a good good starting point i think it has again many factors um once you look at a center point of the shift in consciousness that needs to happen uh in humanity and the recognition that we're interconnected there's also great healing that needs to take place there's so much grief and so much there's the wound of separation has been so deep and driven so hard i see we're going to need global grief rituals and global healing ceremonies and circles there's so much healing that needs to happen around those core charters and there's a big time for the healers as that consciousness shifts and hundreds of millions of people are able to self organize around a new value system they're going to need to know how to implement that in their businesses in their work in their work spaces because this pretty much business and economy and work is where most of us spend most of our time and so from shifting the articles of incorporation i think is one of the biggest hacks that we're going to ever make is if every single business rather than it just being b corp or rather it being some externality if we demand that every business in the in the world uh in all of our countries incorporate into the articles of incorporation things that take care of society and the planet we will see a shift overnight it'll have to happen um but until we do that it's going to be a choice for companies to do that 
and we'll continue to blame big oil and big pharma and big tech and da 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 da. But they're big, following big military, yeah. big military. But you know they're following a script, right? That they've set out to do. And so I think it's like this this expanding wheel, and then it goes back in. You know, Osho once said in his book The Rebel that the greatest failure of mankind has been we we constantly think that by changing the ism we will change man by communism, fascism, socialism, and by changing the ism and by changing the nature of the system, you're going to change mankind. But it's ultimately failed because you can slap communism on it 100 years ago, but man was still you know, narrow-minded and selfish and in the paradigm of separation and greedy and corrupt. So whatever ism you take, you completely pervert it because you haven't realized the nature of interconnection. You haven't had a direct experience of that. So I believe this global consciousness awakening, which is why at Unify, we focus so much on global synchronized meditations, bringing people together in the heart, bringing millions of people and aligning them to these core values in the silence and awakening us into our interconnection. And that being the root to say that these systemic changes are now direct reflections of what we're experiencing inside. I feel like that has to happen on some level. Beautiful. And I'm glad you're bringing it um, to, well, obviously like the evolution of consciousness, which is, you know, a also a topic that has been in many, many prophecies that it, this is the window of time where it's happening. So it's, it's no surprise really if we drop deeper into our uh, observation and awareness. But I, I love the specific example of Unify and the journey you've been on um, with, with a lot of people stewarding this in the last eight years, right? It's mm -hmm. maybe, maybe share a little bit about that journey and how, you know, how real-time change you know, just by having this clear value set, that doesn't mean the change is necessarily instantly happening. Just by calling out for people to meditate, it might still take years for actually millions of people to pick up because these are like prayers or calls that we're, we're doing into the collective. Mm -hmm. um, but the, yeah, just, just take us on a little journey there about Unify and your experience with it. I'm really curious about that. Sure. So a lot of the inspiration here was when um, Maharishi did an experiment in Chicago where he brought meditators together and did group meditations and measured crime rates lowering. And he did this multiple times where he saw a direct correlation between groups meditating and shifts that are happening in the field empirically. Um, and we were really fascinated by that. And um, we were like, what, what could happen if we did this on a global scale? What happens when we have millions of us around the world entrained into the same field and holding similar intentions? What can actually happen? Um, you know, it started in 2012 with the, you know, December 21st, 2012, with the, uh, this confluence of events happening, popping up all over the world. Mm -hmm. And Adil and Mark Healy and, um, you know, Jacob and a bunch of Adam Apollo. And there's a bunch of incredible people that were like, let's, you know, build this and live stream it from around the world. Um, and, and it worked, you know, it unified in a space and time, groups around the world, millions of people meditating together. And so from there, we built it into a movement of like, okay, let's do it on World Water Day. Let's do it and partner with Earth Day. Let's do it on Global Day of Peace. You know, let's work with the UN. Um, and I think on 2014, working with Deepak Chopra and the team, uh, at that time, it was, um, there was uh, Israel and Jerusalem, sorry, Israel and um, Palestine were in a, a tough, tough moment. And we were really feeling it. We were really feeling the war that was impending in Syria and it was just not a good time. And so we said, let's do a global synchronized meditation for this. And at that point, we actually broke the Guinness Book of World Records for world's largest online 
Global Synchronized Meditation. And this was on August 8th, 2014. And um, we all sent our collective energy for peace in Jerusalem and peace in uh, Palestine. Mm -hmm. And the next day they announced a ceasefire. And so, you know, we obviously can't say, was this us or was this just the field? I mean, you never really know, but we were, well, it just blew us away that the day after wow. we did a global synchronized meditation and focus our intention for peace, there was a ceasefire. And it just showed me, okay, there is power here. And there's, there's a, as Amandine, who is an amazing person, worked with the UN for the last 13 years, uh, bringing yoga, meditation, and mindfulness in Afghanistan. And for the Peace Corps, she created the Inner Peace Corps of the UN. Um, you know, her dharma was about bringing the inner peace mindfulness as a, as like a frontline task. Um, yeah, her so story is wild. I can't, I can't wait to actually finally find a time with her for, for an interview. Yeah. I think that would be a good, good one. Um, so it's a foundation. It's a foundation for a lot of what we're doing here. Hmm. And it's turned into like a million people movement. Like I just remember oh, yeah. just a few weeks ago, um, it might've been Earth Day actually, about roughly a month ago, you know, just, just so many thought leaders, so many people that are like, yeah, it's actually one of the real steps of how to step into collaboration, of how to not make it about my movement, but like to actually literally unify. Exactly. What are some of the growth experiences and pains, if, if you want to share about that, that, you know, that I, I think are just natural because we are all humans. No <laughs> one is perfect, right? We're all like, no matter how evolved oh, you are, we all going to go through, through like brilliant crystal clear times where you feel on top of the universe and like muddy, uh, self-doubting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man, we've gone through so much in Unify, man, that would take a as like an essay to write. I mean, to try to hold the field like this and try to unify people together, but dealing with what structure to keep it in. Is it a for-profit or a non-profit? And both of them have their own, you know, parts to them that are just maddening. You know, is this a new structure? We're trying to birth a new structure and a decentralized autonomous organization. And, you know, how we deal with all of the human structural organizational things has definitely been a challenge. And and then, you know, all the humans who have come in and the entitlement that we feel over the movement and our human ego constructs wanting to own it and, and take acknowledgement for it. And all of us are, you know, moving through what it means to truly let go into the unified field and truly just be servants to a dharma when we're still moving through our own human ego constructs has been a challenge. Um, and it's been an initiation for every one of us involved. It really has. Um, but it's so beautiful to be feeling the gelling of all the humans who have touched this in a different way. The humility I feel right now in the different levels of leadership that are, that are stepping into their next level to, to make this happen. And each one of us that are finding our own place in our own sovereignty to unify the collect, unifying the unifiers is yeah. what's happening now. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, oh, Global Unity Week, let's do it. Okay, Sign Network, okay, let's do it. Okay, you know, all these different people who are doing, you know, United Earth and United Peoples and Up Game and it's Unify Everything and Unanimous Movement. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're just one. We're one of the rungs on the, on the, on the many runged, um, ladder that's bringing us forward and we're happy to be that uh, we don't need to be the rung and that's all right yo short intermission this is your host julian for a short announcement green planet blue planet podcast is currently entirely self-funded from my private coaching practice and work in the world speaking at events and teaching breathwork meditation as well as facilitating leadership programs 
If you're at a place in your life where you're ready to level up, step forward and be all in, then this might just be for you. Have you considered hiring a coach? Or is it time to find someone who deeply cares for the same evolutionary revolution on our planet? If that's the case, I'm your guy. As a transformational coach, I've worked with hundreds of people at events and in person via weekly calls over various months. I'm in service to switch on humans just like you who are on the cutting edge of some of the most progressive stuff on planet Earth. And if that's not quite you yet, but that's the dream inside of you, then even more reason to reach out. Well, whether you are a successful entrepreneur, a startup founder, or an artist, I am here to support more people to deepen their planetary purpose. I've developed highly tailored coaching programs that are based on bringing out your gift into the world because I believe in a world in which we can empower and encourage all individuals to express their unique gifts. And all right, before we get back to the episode, make sure you visit my website, greenplanet-blueplanet.com slash mentorships, or simply find your way there by clicking work with Julian and book a free consultation with me. And if you listen to the end of the episode, I will give away a discount for listeners only. So here we go. We're returning to today's episode. I sometimes ask that about like how would, what, what kind of advice would you give like your 15 year old self, but maybe let, it, let me put it into the context of Unify. If you were to give an advice to Ramayan eight years ago, when you were like involved into starting this, um, now that you've been like eight years into like co-creating this, is there like, I'm like a message or two that you'd, you'd be like shouting out to your past self? Just follow your heart. It knows, follow your intuition. It knows. Trust it more. Trust it more. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a very true one. I, I just, uh, who, who was that? Another person I just had on the podcast, um, David Lyon, um, he posted this a little while ago on his Facebook wall and it made me chuckle so much. He's like, following your intuition is logical. Like it's a logical step to follow your intuition because we've now empirically proven that intuition is a phenomena of heart intelligence. Like mm -hmm. thanks again to the, the heart map movement and um, you know, um, at the very beginning, I had them on the podcast as well and can't wait to like extend that invite again another time. But like that intuition is a phenomena that happens in the heart space that makes it a logical choice for us to follow it. And so despite that, like I've, I've had the same experience of the last 10 years is like following the intuition, not doing it, following the intuition, not doing totally, it. Totally, man. <laughs> it's so interesting when we get our intuitive hits about things, but we push through them or like use our mind to deflect them or rationalize around them. Um, rationalize around them is a real, that's a real yeah. thing. So, you know, more trusting. Mm what arises and moving with that without thinking thinking is overrated sometimes we think too much and uh our intuitive capacity speaks to us about people about situations if you hold an image in a, of a situation in mind and your intuition just feels off don't go towards it don't think about it don't rationalize it and so this is definitely the advice i'd always be giving my younger self that's just awesome go, just move towards it I like that you say we're thinking too much. I would even say, you know, watching my own being and my own human think, it's like, it's the unoriginal thoughts that I feel I do too often. Thoughts that I've had a thousand times before that are like, as you said, the process of rationalizing rather than being like, do I have creative new original thought right now? 
no, I don't actually. Well, then let mm -hmm. me just surrender, right? That process is still something that is like, it really requires for me this like active space making, like space between stimulus and response, if it's breath work or, or like longer meditations that, you know, they're in every day for me, but they're, they're, they're stronger some days and they're much weaker other days in that sense. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned trust. And so I want to ask you this question, like for you, what is required to experience trust and to feel trust and to sense trust? So I have trust in life deeply. I have trust in the nature of divinity and the nature of, of awareness itself. And I believe that the foundation of life is unconditional love, uh, pure mind, whatever you want to call it. And so there's deep trust in that. Um, and that trust in life allows me to extend that to life. Um, that's the foundation. Uh, trust in self. And that when I'm tapped in and I'm in my awareness and then I'm in the sacred silence, I trust everything that's moving through me. There needs to be no doubt or no fear. Fear and doubt are only byproducts of the mind reflecting back to itself based on a series of viewpoints or conditions. So the trust in self comes from the silence. And trust in others deeply comes from knowing their intention and seeing their sincere commitment through moving through their own karmic limitations to step up into their full potential self. That is where I find trust with others. Yeah, that's powerful. I like how clear you are on that. You know, trust in others' intention, it's like, it's almost full circle to the beginning of this conversation because a lot of the creations of the old paradigm or the old economic um, kind of agreements, there's no clarity about intention. There is no check-in about intention at all, right? And um, I think this is what, what's created this, this like deception that, you know, is part of our human consciousness coming out of it, rising. There's a lot of deception that we're freeing ourselves from. And, and that form of deception really has messed with clarity or transparency of intention, I would say. And so mm -hmm. maybe that's part of the process we're going through right now in like um, uncovering all of these, uh, you know, hidden agendas and hidden intentions. Totally. Very much so. I want to ask you about the virtual experience and media engine beam. Like I, I know this is something you've created. You're the CEO, you're the founder. Tell us a little bit more about uh, what it is and how people can get uh, in, in touch with it. I know you started some uh, regular Facebook lives with uh, Adam Roa, who is a good friend also on the podcast. And like, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're all weaving in similar circles because we need this synergy of, of more visibility of all these amazing things happening. And so, uh, guide us into the virtual experience and media engine. So um, I see the future in many ways. Um, I see where we're going technologically as a planet. And um, that real world experiences and how we interact and facilitate engagement and interaction is going to be a real pivotal part of the next economy, actually. Um, and I'm looking at today's social media and seeing again how it arose out of a paradigm. And we were really doing a lot of looking to see what's next. And what's next is not just a better Facebook with not as good ads. You know, I know many people are trying to do that and I respect them trying to do that. But I believe that the next social media network is going to offer a fundamentally different experience to people. And my belief is that that experience is going to be centered around evolution and growth. And it's going to be less centered around just kind of the random pot shot sharing of whatever articles come your way or just a projection of your identity inside of this facet. 
it's going to become a mirror and a reflector for your own individual growth. I see that where currently all of the social graph data in Facebook is being used to garner as much information about you to sell you more ads. I see the future, all of that aggregate data is going to be used as a self-reflection tool for you to grow and learn, where the AI is going to become an evolutionary assistant rather than artificial intelligence that exploits your attention. Um, I see that the, the future interfaces are going to kind of show us the trajectories of our growth and support us and mirror and reflect and connect us with other beings that support that. Um, and I see that's where AI and AR are going to be going um, to lead us to experiences that are where we need to grow and what we want to experience and learn. Um, and um, that the filter bubbles that we're in and the way that our media is presented, we'll be able to visualize those filter bubbles and we'll be able to see the nature of our worldviews and belief systems reflected back to us graphically and visually, spatially around us. This is like a, a process of where the awareness and reflectory capacities of meditation are amplified through technology in a way that's really serving the whole. Um, and that I feel is kind of the opposite of what we have today in many ways. Because again, it came out of a system of exploitation of capitalism. Yeah. Um, and so I do believe the future systems are going to be more cooperative in nature. They're going to be more social uh, benefit utilities, I see, rather than individual extractive corporations. Um, and so we, we worked on that for many years. We worked on the underlying frameworks, the technologies, the, you know, the, the philosophy behind it. Uh, we built an app called Caravan which uh, did uh, collective storytelling and how we, how we share stories and feeds and how we aggregate those together to allow us to create collective narrative. Uh, we ended up putting a pause and a hold on that um, because of a project that we're working on right now called Anthem, which I can't speak too much about over here, but it is Anthem.Earth and we are going to basically build uh, where American Idol meets We Are the World meets like the UN SDGs meets this unanimous charter where we build a global movement of art for the Dharma, which is going to be leveraging all those technologies. Powerful. I like your visionary uh, share there of, you know, how AI turns into an evolutionary assistance. I think that is, it's, it's very real. I think that's like the the hopeful utopian version to look at AI, but it's also really maybe a, a consequence of, of the evolution that we're undergoing as a species, right? Because again, like we, we mentioned it earlier, like half of the planet is 27 and younger. We know the millennial generation that's largely not included in that bubble anymore is already a generation that actually was looking for experience much more than things, right? So it's, yes, exactly. it seems to be a trajectory of our uh, expansion that we're, you know, this, this idea of material goods, like it's, yeah it's passe we're already past it we've already created these like tons and tons of garbage of all these material goods and now it's like how do we merge this into this next space where a lot of us are hopefully expressing a lot more artistry and um you know maybe also a lot of the other side of the brain and continuing to be really um entrepreneurially driven but but as an artist or bringing this together in a way some Really curious Definitely. about what's evolving there. Yeah. Anthem.earth. That's live right now? No. No. That's no. just build it. We're, it's just, we're just we're like really in the early stage, you know. I hope my founders don't get too mad at me for speaking about it. Um, we're in the early stages of development. But what we felt is that we, like I as an artist and as a musician, um, 
I see the power of art and I see the power of music. And right now the arts and music scene is going through a really difficult time. But I believe that purpose-driven art and creating a global movement where the artists are voices for what's really happening in the world and we can unify around these voices and this art, um, that's what an anthem is for. And we've only had national anthems. We want to create dharmic anthems around those things that unite us based on the charter. Um, and we have a system and a technology platform and relationships to do that. And so, you know, we're, you know, still some time. I feel away it, from- man. I feel it. Don't, don't share too much if that's already the, the, you know, yet, yet to be explored and built, but I can feel it because this is really, I love what you said about anthems. They're like, they're uniting us. Right. I have, uh, this picture in in my mind's eye since years and years, and we just started something which is a basically a daily practice space called Resonance. It's a, a group of seven uh, facilitators of breath work and some opera singers that give like breath work to get more people into singing because you know the more people are singing, the more people are harmonizing. And so, if we had anthems of Dharma, as you said, I mean, what a beautiful what a beautiful vision. Mm-hmm. You know. In order for us to go that direction, I have like one or two more questions here for you and you might turn into like one and the same question, but let, let's see. What do you really think, Ramayan, does it take for humanity to be able to learn from its past mistakes and be able to learn from it succinctly, right? Because if we're looking at our past mistakes, they already show us all the next steps, but somehow a lot of people have this belief that, history keeps repeating itself. So this um, reality is organized in cycles. Just a way if the earth turns around and rotates, we call it a day, right? The rotation of the um, earth around the sun, we call it a year, right? Um, So each cycle and each rotation is relative to our experience. Uh, Astrology is studying the rotations of the planets and looking at how they electromagnetically affect our body, just like the moon affects the water in our body and in the ocean and studies the relationship between those planets and our actions and our karma. Right? So we're embedded within cycles, within cycles, within cycles, galactic cycle is spinning around the black hole. So there are patterns in cycles. And by studying the patterns in those cycles and understanding our relationship to time as relative to those cycles is a good foundational framework. Now we've been broken from that. We've been told time is linear. Our calendar systems show linear time and blocks of time. We don't really look at cyclical nature of time and look at year cycles, 12 year cycles. You know, there's, there are certain numbers in cycles that are relationships to our, our, our cosmology that if we paid attention to, we would start watching for the patterns in those cycles. We would start predicting patterns in those cycles based on those experiences. And once we have that as a mirror, where you know, it makes it easier to have more awareness and reflective capacity and choice to say yes or no, or this is the new direction that we're going. So I think one of the big things, and actually one of the big parts of this unanimous um, charter is to build a new fund to fund public service, public benefit fund is to fund core architectures that will serve us reprogramming our reality. And the base of that actually is a, is a system called cycles about reprogramming our relationship to time. Um, so it's really relevant that you brought that up. Yeah, I remember um, this is already like a year and a half ago. Uh, one of the guests was part of the cal- calendar initiative to, you know, 
get us aligned with the cosmic clock again. And it's, it's such a deep topic. And I know if people are interested, there's so much more that they, they can check out about this because it's very, very real. I mean, even if you just look at the word calendar, it's from Latin, it means to taxate, right? It's like created for us to be in cycles that are off our biological rhythm. So I love your answer. That's very powerful how you put this. So if we're thinking in these cycles and we're going forward, you know, in, uh, you know forward in the sense of linear time or in generations, right? Because this is, this is really one of the core triggers that got me to start this podcast journey. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, your vision and your dream for the earth. You shared bits and pieces of it already, but specifically in a context of seven generations and maybe the education or the education systems that are involved with that. Like if we were to zoom out now and say, okay, it's not just about 2020, but it's about these next 200 years. That's roughly, I guess, seven generations. What's dropping in for you? What's, what's part of the vision? What's part of the dream that you want to share? I feel like the, the, the children's fire has to be placed in the center of any circle we create. And always looking at the reference point to how does this serve the children of the future and when that is the the barometer and the reference point for every decision we make we will make good decisions truly individually and as a society and um my vision and what i see is that the united peoples of unified peoples of the world you, you know coming together and linking arm in arm and recognizing our collective strength and power. That is the shift. That's the shift we've been waiting for. And once, we're, once we do that and we don't continually defer our power, defer our power to nations, defer our power to presidents, defer our power to corporations, defer our power to United Nations and you know, representatives, once we take our power back and realize that A, we are the media, we are the economy, we are the government, we are it. Then we can start building a new generational framework that looks at us, us, ourselves as a planetary civilization that includes nations, that includes communities and includes diversity and includes those things that are part of it. But the primary reference point is United Peoples. And um, if 2.4 billion of us can connect on Facebook, how many of us can connect into a shared values framework? And what happens when a billion of us or, you know, 500 million say, this is how we're going to act. Oh, this is the nature of this country or this corporation. And this is what's happening. Well, our economic power is strong. Our leverage power is strong. The capacity we have to make decisions for the good of the whole and embody those is strong. Um, and so I, f I feel like this united peoples, this unanimous movement is the pivot point for constructing a society that is more sane. And that's going to require some big shifts. And those shifts are already happening. It's going to mean traveling less or augmenting our, our travel. It's going to mean more local community. It's going to mean having local community currencies and community exchange so that you rebuild relationships within your community. It's going to be more sustainable resourcing less globalization, honestly, global interconnection, but local sourcing. There's going to be more organic food growing everywhere. It's going to be malls shutting down and turning into places where you have 
places that house those who need to be housed, where food and the best technology is growing to, to, to building indoor food and outdoor food production facilities where everybody is connected to their own sources of food. Um, it's going to be shutting down this idea of externalities and putting the donut economy into place so that we build the regenerative paradigm as the basis of our economy. And so we build sane economic systems. It's going to be prioritizing human mental and emotional well-being over, over this idea of domestic product and growth. It's going to be when our debt-based institutions are shut down and we are, are, are interacting more as a community. And um, it's going to require some big shifts, big shifts in how we think. But if anything of this time of the coronavirus has shown me is that given the right stimulus and impetus, humanity has the capacity to make massive pivots and massive shifts and that we are more powerful and more organized than we think and that we have the capacity to focus our collective attention on one point and that we can think as a, as a global civilization, even if we're acting independently. Um, and so leveraging this, knowing for the good of the whole and for the good of the next generations. And I believe that collectively we'll figure out how to do it. You know, no one person or no one group is going to do it, but millions of groups and millions of communities and organizations aligning around a similar codex with a shared knowledge bank of how everybody is doing it and learning from each other in this living Wikipedia will become, I feel, a basis for how we build this global shared knowledge community and learn and teach each other how to live in a better way. May it be so. I, I, I love this. Yes, 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 yes. Hmm. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your focus in this, in this episode to bring some of your, your dreams and your insights, you know, eloquently to, to everyone listening. Is there Thank anything you. on a closing note that you want to share? Uh, no, I'm just grateful to be here. And if you all want to join me, I do meditations on Unify at 9 a.m. every day. And I will be bringing out hopefully this unanimous charter in the week of June 20th to 27th. And so um, if you hear wind of it, take a look, feel into your heart and sign and share it for the good of all life. Thanks for listening. And here we are again. This is your host, Julian. I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast and received some insights and knowledge for your life, relationships, and business. If you love Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, make sure to subscribe, leave a review that really allows this podcast to reach a broader audience and share it with a friend. Let me also remind you that this podcast is currently entirely self-funded. I'm a transformational coach and mentor, a breathwork guide, and want to offer all my listeners a full 10% off my private coaching work. That is as much as $500 for a three-month program, and this discount applies for all one-on-one -on -one coaching offers, as well as some select coaching groups that I host in person. If you're curious and interested, make sure to visit the website greenplanet-blueplanet.com and click Work with Julian. Let me tell you a little bit more about my planetary purpose and leadership programs. I am committed to accelerating our human tribe, going deep into unconditioning the blocking beliefs and blind spots, enabling your gifts and clarity to amplify for aligned business, healthy relationships, and overall presence with life. 
I have worked with hundreds of people across the world, either one-on-one -on -one in small coaching groups on, online or in person at events. It is my gift to boost authentic confidence and guide you while asking the deepest questions that get you to address your dormant potential. I am an activator and catalyst for those who are ready to step into the highest version of themselves. We live in unique times and let me tell you from experience, having a coach makes a massive difference. I specialize on supporting successful entrepreneurs in unpacking their purpose and joy of life. I do work with startup entrepreneurs and artists as well and on request I host individual breathwork mentorships. If you want to learn more, how to support the show or suggest a guest, you can also simply send me an email. If you want to take advantage of the offer I just mentioned and claim the 10% discount, simply book a free consultation with me through my website that is greenplanet-blueplanet.com mentorships and mention the end of episode discount and I'll give the discount code to you right here, right now. It's 808. That's right. That's your code right here, right now, 808. Mention it to me in our free consultation that you can book by the website and 10% are yours. That being said, thank you so much for listening today. Have yourself an amazing day. Don't forget to hit subscribe, review the show, and share it with a friend.